Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we try to do here every single day. It is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021 love how I always have to look down because I can't remember myself. Um, We have a really great show for you guys today. I'm super excited. But first, welcome to our Heal Squad. Thank you guys for being with us. As always, we're coming to you from Split Coast. I am back in the gazebo now that my dad isn't making any noise out here with his tractor. Yep. And uh, Kelsey, of course, is back in LA. We had our big summit this weekend here at the house in Connecticut with uh, our team, our extended team, people who just wanted to be a part of this to help us, um, which is so cool. As you guys know, Stephanie Tomlinson, who's uh, an avid listener of the show, has been helping us as well. We've been pulling in some of our heel squad to help us figure out how to get this to the next level. And Stephanie actually and Elaine had such a great presentation. Um, it was amazing. We had a lot of fun and uh, our friend Leah got us these little bracelets that say better together, which Cutie. we'll hopefully be bringing to you guys too at some point. But uh, it was really cool. We had a great time. Hell yeah, we did. You just got We're home about- late last night too, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We got in what, like 1130? 
Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a day. But honestly, I'm not going to lie. The one thing I do like about travel is all you can do really is work. And so it's like, <laughs> like I had my laptop. We sat, Pooja and I sat at the little bar in um, uh, the Hartford Airport. We got uh-huh. some work done. I got some Wi-Fi on the last flight. Got some work done. It was so it was good. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little tired, but yeah, I agree. sleep when you I'm can dead, get a you know? <laughs> you, you know what it is? You, it's an uninterrupted time, so well, you can exactly. catch up on stuff and, exactly. and, and actually make your life easier when you land. Exactly. I think that's more like it. And, and I me, think, Maria... Go ahead, Kelsey. Oh, I was, nothing I was going to say, Kelsey. It was just nice to bring like-minded people together. Yeah. And when we were on the Patreon, we were helping um, a Heal Squad member who was opening a coffee shop. And one of the things we talked about was building a friend advisory board. Mm-hmm. And, bring, and so this is essentially what we did. We just had people come in that love the show that, that we love and that have different areas of expertise and kind of um, it was like potluck. Everyone brought their gifts to the table and um, yeah. it, it was really, and by the way, it did not, it wasn't tiring. It was fun. No, I know. I really enjoyed it. I feel like when you have, and Marit, let me know if you agree with this, but when you have the right people and you all are on, like on the same wavelength, it's the same energy. Then you just get entered. At least I like, I get energy from people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, we were just going. None of us were like, oh my God, what a long day. No, it was so like, it was fun. I know. And we'll tell you guys more about it as it's coming, but I do want to alert you to a brand change and a format structure change. Like what? we're going to make some changes because um, as I said on a show recently, a lot of people have come up with better together shows since, and we don't have the ability to get anything trademarked. So anything we want to do to kind of extend this brand out is impossible. So we have a new name in mind. And for our Patreon members, we're going to be asking you guys, since you're in our insiders club for some thoughts on this new name that we had come up with a while ago. And I had it in my little notes folder in the show uh, in my phone. I think that's what we're going to go with. And I think, Kelsey, and I haven't even gotten to tell you, but I feel like my journey for this last year and a half with Better Together and even before that was really like, how do I get the best of the best to come in here and help us? And also, really, my biggest mission was how do I save my mom and how do I help her? And we accomplished that. And so I feel like I've abandoned a lot of me along the way. And so with this rebrand, we're going to get a lot more of like the full 360 Maria that you saw in the Every Girl's Guides that you see in all these different arenas, all within this one show and within this one website and within this kind of one like content hub. And I'm really, really giddy about it. And I had the breakthrough yesterday as we were driving around in our T-Bird. I had to go get my my movie nails off, which now, because I've done gels since the end of May, my nails are paper thin. Oh, so I'm never worst. doing that again. It's the worst. Um, and so I had the breakthrough and I realized, oh my gosh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. So uh, I have a voice memo for Priscilla. Remind me. Okay, well, right. You're from Priscilla who's helping us with the website that I was thinking about. And um, mind you, by the way, if you guys think I look a little funny, I have this like eye thing. My whole eye is so swollen. Let me tell and you, can't even tell. Really? Can't tell. Cannot no. It's gotten tell. better. Can't so I've been tell. doing the warm compresses and I realized that when I took off my makeup the other night, one little clump of mascara didn't come off here. So when I woke up, it was like hard. And uh, I was like, well, that's weird. I think it got swollen, like the little, um, the duct. Yeah, the, um, that'll get you. Yeah, a little poor. So I figured it out, I think. 
Anyway, oh shoot, I forgot our quote of the day. <laughs> it's a good one too. Day, can I, can I add one thing? Yeah. Where, you know, the show's about conveying helpful information to everybody. Yeah. Don't think us having to get a trademark is because, you know, we are some giant corporation or whatever. It, the first yeah. rule of business, Gene Simmons says this in all of you know, his books, but then Tony Robbins and then go to Girl Boss. Yeah, Sophia Marissa is the one who taught me this recently in an Instagram post. She was like, why did I build my house on sand? I didn't own any of the trademarks to Girl Boss. Yeah. And it stifled her when she had things she wanted to do. Like, we want to bring you guys cool merch that like will be fun for you and things like that. And it's just not possible. So, so for anybody out there, any of our Heel Squad entrepreneurs, we're starting a business. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the first thing they say is get everything buttoned up on that foundation, which includes a trademark. Yep. Now, there are reasons you may not need one, whatever, but if you're, you know, you, you never know how far your business is going to go, whether it is a coffee shop or a clothing line or whatever, you never know. But, and for a very small amount of money, um, you can get your, get a name trademark. So I just really want to throw that out there for, to helpful for anyone out there who's starting their own um, mm-hmm. business or, or has, or wants to advise someone starting a business. By the way, we should do an episode with Johnny Pollock, who's done all of our trademarks over the years oh. to teach people like just a full business class on how to trademark and what they all mean. Cause it's kind of like very nitty gritty and challenging to like go through unless you have somebody that knows what they're doing. I um, love that. So anyway, I just want to alert you guys to those changes and, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff in the pipeline and we're just so excited to be doing it with you. We'll always be better together. That's for sure. Um, and that's, that's always sure. going to be um, our ethos, right? Like it's going to mm. be in the ethos. It's going to yeah. be a part of our fibers forever. Um, okay. Our quote of the day, where there is love, there is life. And that's from Gandhi. He's a pretty smart guy, that Gandhi. Right. Where there is love, there is life. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. I loved on a little mouse today, a little field mouse who I noticed on my little front gate float um, from above. I was like, I think that's a mouth, mouse mouse trapped on the chair. But thank God for your chair, because we were saying this weekend yeah. last, last summer. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those. And being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there, this little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Maria and I saw so many poor mice almost drowned, yeah. but this chair is kind of saving them. It's their life raft. So Not so many. I don't want it to okay, sound like, like we have some there was like three. In, infestation, but there are no. field mice. We're yeah. in the woods. And so um, there was a little guy and he had been in the pool probably suffering because his body was wet, but his head was dry. So he like must have mustered his way on anyway. He so cute. he's saved and he's happy. Um, so we don't need our next guest to help us through mourning that little guy. Um, <laughs> you like how I did that? That was good. Good so, segue. 
Diane Gray is uh, an end-of-life and grief doula. She is our guest today. She's also a mentor, film producer, researcher. She um, has obviously uh, had her own journey in this space, um, plus her unwavering commitment to improving care for seriously ill children was born from her 14-year experience as a caregiver and mom to her ill son. In addition, dedicating her work was sparked from uh, the sudden loss of her father to a heart attack when she was just nine years old. So Diane has gone through it, whether it was her dad. Can't imagine the uh, sudden loss or the loss of a son. That's every parent's nightmare. So um, she's got a big heart. She's an incredible person who helped me through a really challenging time, obviously, most recently with my mom. And I think, you know, the the fragments of that just carry through because I was able to help my dad and different family members. And then people who um, heard me write about it also were probably helped by it. So I can't wait for her to go more in depth with us today on Better Together. So the Heal Squad welcomes you, Diane, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, publicly, thank you for all the help that you gave me. And of course, that was because of our mutual friend, uh, psychic John Edward, who connected us. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Facebook group and Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. And uh, I, I'm honored. You know, I'm, I was thinking about this um, you know, over the past day or two, and I was thinking, you know, we all experience death, but it's what, what do we do with it? I mean, and look at what you're doing with your experience, Maria. You're empowering uh, millions of people by just sharing what you've learned. And that's really all we can do. And that's what I'm doing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like also, you know, sharing the kind of highs and lows of it as you're going through it, because for me, I, I know people are kind of watching and they're like, how is she handling this? And they're kind of taking their notes because I'm hearing from people. So, um, you know, I kind of just say it's like minute to minute and day to day and everything changes like that. Um, but you've gone through this in the most tragic of ways. I mean, losing your dad at just nine years old, um, that's bad enough. But then to lose your son, if you want to kind of um, share a little of that with us and then what prompted you to go into this kind of work. Uh, it took me kicking and screaming. <laughs> I mean, no, he wakes up and says, I just can't wait to use my life experience for this. Yeah. But I think what happened was, so when I was nine, 
Um, I saw my dad, it was Christmas day. My parents had separated and it was my intuition, you know, like I, I was talking to Kelsey and I was saying it's intuitive listening. So it's listening with your soul and not just your ears. And I felt this tug that day when I was nine, no kidding. And it was like, go downstairs and tell your dad bye. At nine years old, for real, like, and I felt it right here. So it's listening, right? At nine, you knew that though? Yeah, for real, no kidding. And I think a lot of kids do. Think about it. Kids are so much more open than we adults. As adults, we build lots of walls. Kids are wide open. Have you ever heard a kid what they say? It's like, eh. yeah. <laughs> you know? So I ran downstairs. I scooped up my Christmas present from my dad. And I looked at my brother and I said, want to go? I'm going to go tell dad bye. He's like, oh, and he was only seven playing with his truck. And I ran downstairs and I said, daddy, I love my Christmas present. Thank you so much. And he looked at me and I said, roll the window. Like, back then, right? <laughs> the window, the rest of the way down. And he said, Oh, okay. And I said, I love you. And he said, I love you too. And he rolled up the window. He said, I'll see you roll up the window. And he left, got a phone call. My dad had had a sudden heart attack at 39 years old. And um, he had had an injury in the military. We all knew that there was a likelihood that he would die early, but not that early. So long story short, that was my last conversation with my dad. Fast forward five years later, I um, I was 14 and I looked down and I was laying in my bed, but sitting up and I saw my dad sitting at the end of my bed. It's like standing there. And I said, come closer as a vision, a dream, whatever people call it. And I said, come closer. And he said, I can't I said, come closer. And he took one little step forward and he said, you have to let me go. I'm with you always. I love you. And I looked down at my sheets and I looked back up and he was gone. I went back to sleep. I woke up the next morning. Maria, I felt more peace and it has stayed with me the rest of my life. And that really helped set the framework. Fast forward, I grew to understand that everybody dies. It's what is your last conversation? I'm thinking, well, if everybody dies, what is the luck that my last conversation with my dad was? I love you. And he said, I love you back to me. Like, oh, and it started this framework. I studied the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, studied sports medicine, sports management in college, was fascinated by neurology. Fast forward to my son. I ended up giving birth to, I got married and um, gave birth to a son when I was 28, who looked normal, seemed normal, beautiful, blonde haired, green eyed surfer kid who was running around and they said, no, Diane, he actually has retinitis pigmentosa. Fast forward two more years and three more, you know, years and years of diagnostic testing. And they said he has a rare neurodegenerative disease and he's gonna die most likely within two years. We couldn't find the source of the disease. I could have married 99 other people. Marriage fell apart. I was already pregnant with my baby daughter by that. Jesus Christ. There's no cure for the disease. There still is no cure for the disease. There was no genetic testing at the time. I'm carrying this child. I had miscarried like some people drink water, but this pregnancy stuck. And my son was diagnosed with this terminal disease and my marriage fell apart. It's just like, 
the worst of the worst. So fast forward, life became slow motion. Um, things like we lived in one bedroom with my son's bedroom for the last five years of his life because every month or two months he would lose the ability to move an arm, move another arm. Oh my God. Was cognitively intact, understood everything until the day he died. 100%. I told him you need to, for me, it's with God need to, Austin, I want you to jump. I want you to jump to Jesus. I want you to go to God. So I helped him cross over. It was the worst, the worst pain, very similar to glioblastoma type pain, the worst pain. Most physicians say, I never, ever want to see uh, a child with that disease again. Please don't let me, because it's so rare and you can only treat the symptoms. But the gist of it is that Austin did die. Um, I was a conscious part of that decision-making process, which was brutal. Um, but out of it, you know, I don't want to say it was all horrible because, uh, Marie, to, you know, to your point and your experience with your mom, when and many people that go through these kinds of experiences, you learn the meaning of love. You learn unconditional love. You learn that all the stuff you've spent, you know, your entire life collecting. Like I was that person who obsessed about what color taupe paint, you know, <laughs> you just, you go through these things, right. And you say, Oh, so Austin taught me about unconditional love. He taught me about perseverance. He taught me that, yes, I feel like I'm going to die from the grief of it all, but guess what? You don't. So now what are you going to do with your life? You know, there are all these life lessons. So from that, I started a business and I said, because I saw so much, happen in terms of improper care and uncontrolled pain and unmanaged pain. I started promoting kind of like your heel squad, which by the way, I love the, <laughs> the way you're doing this because you're propping up, you're furthering the voices of people who, who like have embedded their learning and their spirit within you. So I did the same thing only in medical care. I got speaking gigs for other doctors who really understand pain management, who really understand the importance of proper care that embraces the family environment. And then from there, somebody from Harvard said, hey, would you like to come do a case study? And somebody from Hopkins Press said, well, let's do three textbook chapters. And I kept saying, I'm going to go back to my other life, <laughs> you know. But that's the short version. So here we are. And I became a, doula, a death doula. I help other people like you um, navigate the end of life journey with your mom or other people's spouses or children. And I've done a heck of a lot of coursework all over the world since that time. So it's not just my experience. It's hundreds of courses from all different universities and things like that. Wow. I mean, ooh, sorry, just hearing that is really hard. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I can't imagine. I mean, that's like the the worst and you figured out a way to pick yourself up. So I guess for the person who's maybe just going through something like that, the loss of a son or a daughter or their child, what were the stages for you? Cause I feel like there are stages ish <laughs> to all of this. Right. And I see what you did where you started to focus on the positives because that's what I try to do. I try to focus on the positives so that I can get out of bed and I can feel like I can move forward. I can, you know, get through. Um, But how do you advise people who are going through that like deep guttural pain um, to how, how do you get them to survive it? Well, I think the first step is to accept yourself except that you are a beautiful mess for a while. You're perfectly imperfect. And that's not to say that we should be unkind toward others, that we should um, infect the atmosphere around us with our anger, although anger is understandable. Um, But I think, too, it's to understand that for a while, for a season, life is messy. Mm. Um, and life can be uh, messy in the way that we binge watch whatever, you know, for a day or two. But I think rest is really important. Caregiving is brutal. And to anybody that is out there that's listening, if you're a long term caregiver, understand that caregiving is brutal. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the ability to put into words how brutal it is because we're in this tornado. We're in this cycle and only when the hurricane passes or the tornado passes, do we see how messed up the situation really is and was. Do you think that's true? I actually am pulling up some uh, caregiving statistics that I just found that were crazy. Um, So 43 million unpaid caregivers in our country, which is going to spike as, um, as baby boomers um, join the ranks of the old is mm-hmm. old. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, a survey of unpaid caregivers in 2017 found that nearly half of family caregivers suffer from depression. 45% did not have time to book or attend their own medical appointments as a result of their caregiving activities, thus putting caregivers at risk of falling ill and needing caregiving themselves. A 2002 Stanford University study found that 40% of Alzheimer's and dementia caregivers actually die, 40% die from stress-related disorders before the one for whom they are caring. 
and um and you know of course there's like a whole shortage of caregivers and stuff but i was blown away by some of these statistics that i found recently i wasn't going to bring them up for this but i know i had just gathered them it's very 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 hard to be a caregiver it's br- it's brutal especially when it's your person yeah right because you're attached right and I think that whether it's your mother or your child, your sibling, whomever, spouse, uh, whatever that looks like, you know, I think it's important. So it's back to your original question. Yes. It's important to look at the beautiful mess that we become. Give ourselves some grace. I don't mean grace in the religious sense. I mean, grace as in I did the best I could at that time with the information that I had. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something you and I talked about, right? It's, oh yeah, you know, did you do the best you could at that time with the information that you had for your mom? Did I do that for my son? And I think the answer is for most people, of course, yes. And if it isn't, yes, and it's no, I didn't do my best. Then there's grace there too, and say, okay, then take that, go and do better. So I think that that grace, you know, there's the rest phase, there's the grace phase, and then there's the part that is fear. What does life look like again after the passing of my loved one? I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go and do this. I'm afraid to be somebody else. Who am I? It's identity shift, right? Um, Stedman Grant wrote a great book about identity. Oprah's partner, Stedman, wrote a great book about identity shifts. And it's important to really ask oneself, well, who am I now? Mm. I went to this amazing church service in New York City that the week after, two weeks after Austin died, my daughter and I went to New York, which I'm in a small Southwest Florida town at that time. And um, we were like, we're going to go be in the middle of millions of people because we didn't know how to do that. We, I was like, you know what? We are going to try everything we haven't done. We're going to examine who we are not. So let's go check it out. And we just got into the pace of another life. But the pastor at this Easter service asked this question, who are you becoming? And I remember sitting there wailing. I just got emotional. Yeah, right. Like that's the thing after caregiving and after death. I didn't know who I was becoming, but all I knew was that I've been through hell and back. So what did I have to lose? Yeah. <laughs> really? What else matters? You, you know, I think I helped my child die. You helped your mother die. Like, okay, bring it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll try whatever else. And that's what I started doing. I went to snorkel with humpback whales and the open ocean. And I mean, hours and hours 10 hours away from shore. Cause why not? I had done the, this thing that about killed me. And I think that looking at my fear and asking who am I becoming was an important part of my journey. Not that I have it all figured out today either, <laughs> but I'm trying. And I think that's the secret sauce. What do you think that does for people though? Who am I becoming? Is it shifting the focus from who am I without Like, who am I without Austin? Who am I without my mom? No, it's who am I without being tied to that experience Mm. of caregiving? Because I have an ethos. My belief system is I am never without my son. 
you are never without your, I, I know this to be true. It's a knowing thing and we can talk about that, but no, I never have to do anything. It's that I can rely upon knowing that my son is with me when I am, you know, 40 feet below the water, or 20 feet below the surface or wherever I am. I know that he's with me. He probably tells me to stop chanting his name in my scuba mask. <laughs> scared, you know, but I think who am I becoming asks us to not tether to the moment of death. I don't want to tether myself to that moment of death because I've always been so much more. And if I, and you are so much more. And they were so much more. Totally. Totally. Right. Absolutely. They were so much more. So what do you think is the biggest lesson that your son Austin taught you? That I'm perfectly imperfect. That all of us are lovable. Unconditional love. And it's messy sometimes. Taught me grace. Grace in the way that he knows I did the best I could. He taught me perseverance. He... He, this, I don't tear up very often anymore, but he taught me through such pain that there was always laughter in every day, even though he was in so much pain. And that has been kind of a, a beacon, a shining light. Like Diane, no matter how bad things are on any given day for anybody, it's like the softest touch, like just that just this would make his day and he would smile. Or if he would hold my finger, I would smile. Just like your mom, right? Yeah. Like it was that, it's the smallest thing, not the big gestures. Yeah. Those are some things he taught me. Wow. Um, you know, we're, we're taught from a young age that love is what we see. And you talk about it being what we feel. Um, and there's an example of this in one of the teachings you gave me that was really, really helpful at a really, really tough time. So I want you to share that tool with everybody. Uh, happy to. You mean when you were in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. <laughs> um, here's, the, here's the gist of it. So I think we do kids a disservice when 
children are little, we go here, see the quarter. Here's a quarter. That's a quarter because they're, they're looking at it. Except love can't do that. We, we teach people that somebody exists because see, here's a picture of grandma. But with love, what I shared with you is this. And I said to you, Maria, what is it that you love about your mom? Tell me, go ahead. I remember at that moment, I just said, she's the most selfless woman I know. And you said. I said, you didn't mention her hair, her skin, her teeth, her eyes. You didn't mention any of those things. So what you mentioned was something that's between you. It's energy between you. And love is energy. And if love is energy, and we know through science that energy is neither created nor destroyed, it just changes forms. So if love is energy, and it's neither created nor destroyed, that the only thing that was going to change were your mom's cells, the things that were going to die were the cells that make up her hair and her skin. So the love between you and that relationship between you will never die. So then there is no death because you're always your mother's daughter. You are always the daughter of your mother. And that relationship, therefore, always exists as the love between you. It's just going to shift form. And it's reliant upon something that has always existed. You just weren't taught to feel the love and know that it exists. But it does. So let's learn a different way to feel that love. And you'll feel that relationship because it's available 24-7. It's all around you all the time. Yeah. and. And I would love for you to share with people kind of how to connect with a person they've lost, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically like how to talk to them. And also like I did something today in my meditation that I've never done. At the end of my meditation, I, I hugged my mom and I could feel her, like feel her body. And then I was like, well, let me try it with some other people and see. So I hugged my cousin who passed in a car crash when he was 18 and I felt his body. Like I remember the feeling of like hugging his body. And then I did it with my dogs. And I was like, Oh, this is a really interesting experience. Like I still have access to that feeling, even though I'm not physically doing it, I felt it as if it was real. So I was like, Oh, what a great kind of tip that would be helpful. I think. And I'm sure you've done this before. Um, So yeah. But you just said something powerful, which is you thought about it as though it was real. But Maria, it is real because you're feeling it. You see what I mean? We have to. (laughs) It is real because you're feeling it. Yeah. So how do we access it? It's doing exactly what you just said. So first of all, a lot of people ask me that. Why am I not getting a sign? I've been asking for (laughs) us. I know. We all do that. Yeah, myself included. And here's what I came to realize. Unfortunately, signs and connection from the palpable thing sense, sometimes I've seen this hundreds of times where the sign comes through the person you're least likely to want to connect with. I don't understand it, but I've heard this from families. It came of all people through my (laughs) mother-in-law. 
I think we're meant to be in harmony. We're not meant to be in a state of disharmony in the world Mm -hmm. with our loved ones and in a family. I haven't ever said this publicly. I haven't ever shared this in in my writing, but I will tell you my son's last breath and sentence to me was this. We were hearing a Rafi song. You were hearing what? Rafi. Remember Rafi, the singer is a kid singer from Canada. And anyway, Rafi had this song. All I really need is love in my heart, food in my belly and love in my family was the last sentence. And my son had been asleep for days thinking, waiting for him to die because he hadn't eaten for a while. 18 days. This was on day 18. And this song is playing in the background because we used music through the death process the dying process and he starts blinking and I said honey honey what is it is that what you want and we had developed a language blink 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 for yes I said is that what you want you want love in your family Mm. and he started blinking blinking and he's blinking and I said which is a very important thing for our family, because there were some fractures that happened through divorce and all kinds of situations. And I said, honey, I, I will do the best I can do. Is that okay? And he blink, 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 blink. And I said, okay, I love you, sweetheart. And he closed his eyes, opened his eyes. And I said, what is it? I said, oh, you love me. Blink, 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 blink. And you closed his eyes. And that was our last conversation love in our family. So to your question, I really believe that the connectors are sometimes the person we least want to connect with, like it or not. The other thing we can do, Maria, is what you did. We can get quiet. A lot of people in their grief phase, they go to, I'm going to have three glasses of wine and then I'm going to chill out. And then where is the person? Like, why aren't they connecting with me? I do think there's something to being clear as clear as we can be. Now, I'm not saying don't do this, do do that. I'm just telling people flat out, this is my experience with thousands of grieving people. And it helps to be clear, exercise, stay clear, meditate. The more we can be still, and to your point, if we want to connect with them, embrace them, think about memories, Hold their items close to us. Be in nature. Stanford research, because you're a fellow research person, right? I'm all about the research. Research shows that if we could go 20 to 30 minutes in nature, walking, it really elevates our brain space. It changes our brain makeup, right? Mm -hmm. That helps us to connect. I've had some amazing things happen while I am walking in the middle of nature 20 to 30 minutes two, three, four times a week. It helps. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, um, that's, I think that's why I love nature so much. Mm -hmm. Um, it's such a great way to reset. Um, so you talked about meditation. You've also spoken about, um, the lack of breath. Will you tell everyone about that? Remind me, um, that a lot of us aren't breathing. Right? So true. Thank you. So the gist of it in this, in grief and in stress, we forget to breathe. That's simple. Take a breath, especially when we get anger. 
angry and we get upset about whatever is normal stuff in our day. And when you compound that with grief, we forget to breathe. And when we forget to breathe, it interrupts the blood flow to the brain. It's that simple. So we can't think clearly. We can't emote clearly. Everything comes at us from level one or two dimension. And when we breathe, and I help people breathe in, and this is for grief attacks too. A lot of people have grief attacks. And a grief attack is this. When somebody feels like I'm going to pass out or I can't function or I'm wailing or I'm in the middle of a store and I just saw my favorite person's favorite thing and now I'm sobbing in the middle of Publix or whatever grocery store. Remember to breathe. Step outside. Take a breath. If you feel like you might have a grief attack or you're in that phase or stage, carry a little bottle of lavender oil in your purse. And what it does, it acts like a disruptor to the brain. That recycle just keeps going and going and going and going. That helps to break that cycle and it helps us to catch our breath and then go about our day. Works every time. I like that tip. How do you help people get back to work after grief? Oh, it's so tough. And that's a great question. Not after grief, after losing a loved one. How do you help someone get back to work after losing a loved one? When you're just, when you are that beautiful mess. Right. That is a great question. I'm glad you asked that because that's sort of my new focus of research over the last year. Um, I would say small bites. Small bites and... As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Be mindful that out there, um, oftentimes people expect Um, zebras to be lions. And what I mean by that is that, you know, have you ever seen a zebra with its stripes? Like they go like this, they crisscross that all of a sudden you're seeing all the stripes. So you're seeing all the people go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? That's people and they didn't lose their loved one this week, but you did. So you're watching all this movement and chaos and you expect them to stop and recognize your grief. And that's just not the case because it's not all about you or me. They're doing life too. And they probably have something going on in their lives. I would say, understand that small bites and small chunks often help. I would also say when it's nighttime, there's real benefit to disconnecting from tech, disconnecting from noise, reconnecting with your loved one if you want to in terms of the loved one that died talk to them 
write them letters, remember to breathe, listen, 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 listen for them. And be very mindful that you have a choice in how you live your life going forward. But work is tough. And I would say also to be mindful that nobody knows the right thing to say. They never do. Okay, especially at the beginning. This is where grace, I feel like it should be a bumper sticker, you know, both for the person that's grieving. Please show me some grace. I'm not going to be at 100%. I might say the wrong thing. I might drop the coffee. I might have a car accident. By the way, I wrecked my car. Okay, twice after the death of my son. Like, I couldn't focus. I hear that all the time. If you're also having a tough time getting back to work, Okay, be forthright with HR, be open with a colleague, tell them I'm struggling. I'm going to get there, but I'm struggling. I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. I just, you know, the other thing that I I would love to chat about is there's, I always feel like people try to compare different griefs, right? It's like, okay, so losing a son is worse. Losing your mom is the worst. Losing your husband is worse. But I don't know. I look at my dad and I feel like he's such a great model for kind of how to be resilient. He's, he's figuring it out. We've definitely padded the walls um, a lot, but how do you advise someone who just lost their life partner? Oh gosh. It's one of the hardest things. When you spent 40 plus years with somebody every single day and now they're gone. I and this is supposed say, to be the time of your life you're supposed to enjoy with that more. It's like, okay, now we're retired and we're supposed to enjoy it. And then they're gone. Well, first of all, I would say take that like supposed to part. And that is the big red bumper sticker for people to say, enjoy your life now. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it now. Don't wait. Don't put it aside. Okay, we're going to open up the fun suitcase when I retire and when we move forward. But to your original question, it's this. Give yourself a long runway. It's not a light switch. Your life partner died. And I want to, by the way, I don't mean to minimize length of of marriage to the fact that some people meet their life partner and that person dies months later. Yeah. For some people, they never have a life partner, but they lost a pet. And their pet is their child, right? So to your point about what's worse is a a child. I've heard it a million times. There's nothing worse than losing a child. I don't look at it that way. Yes, I, my child was my soul of my souls in many ways. But for many people that don't have children, their pets are their children. They're their family. So define family. Right. And that's not my job to do that for someone. But I would say if someone lost a spouse or a partner or someone that they are tied to, give yourself a long runway. Realize that life isn't going to change overnight. Give yourself years to adapt to whatever your life might become, but also to plan, plant seeds plant little seeds along the way that might grow. Like, and I I can visualize your dad right now. 
hey, I think in June, I'm going to do this with Marie and Kevin. I think in September, maybe we're going to do this with these people. Hey, I think I'm going to replant my garden in this month. I might learn a new skill set, maybe. Maybe I can try this. I think on Sunday, I'm going to lay in bed all day and give myself permission. So a lot of those things, I think, help mix it up a little bit. But plan things in the future just to help move the ball forward a little bit Mm -hmm. in terms of hope. I have hope that things are going to get better. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's kind of what we've done with my dad. We're always trying to keep him busy because he likes work. So we're trying to keep him busy with that, but then he's having his fun, whether we started doing, you know, bonfires here at the house or he'll go see his brother. Um, You know, we're trying to have things to, you know, have fun. We play cards at night. I kicked their butts at Uno last night again. (laughs) So we have those things to look forward to and enjoy. And I think too, Maria, to your point, your connection with your dad is important. So to those people that have lost their life partner, it's important for the family or friends or community to step in and also to honor that person, create a legacy project. It could be a garden, it could be an act, it could be a scholarship, it could be something as simple as baking cookies and bringing them next door every other week. Just whatever legacy looks like, that's the way to rebuild connection and to help that person who has lost their loved one kind of go forward as well, because then it becomes about the living and the giving, not just the loss, which is back. I like that. I, like that. Um, I hear you have a hack for when you need a good cry to release emotions. Is, is that what this crying in the shower stuff is all about? <laughs> okay. It's true. So uh, there's a great book out there. It's called blue mind. And it's, again, it's a science-based, research-based book. And what it talks about is that being in, on, near, around the water helps us kind of reorient or rewire our brain. Well, when I started doing this with grieving people, they would come to me and they would say, it really works? And I said, it really works. And I said, in fact, I can tell you that the vast majority of people I've ever worked with in the grief space They've told me that they cry in the shower and they release. Like, I've cried in the shower. Why didn't anybody tell me that? I'm like, I don't know, but isn't it the truth? Like so many people, I mean, if you want to, if you cry in the shower, I would love to hear about it. You know, I cry in the shower all the time. In fact, when, when I saw this, I realized that there was one point in my life where I had gone out of a really toxic work environment that was really, 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 really painful. And I was holding in so much emotion that was like ready to just burst. And I, I scheduled it. I go, all right, I'm going on this trip. I can cry then. And we went out into the ocean on this paddle boat, Kevin and I, and I just guttural cried for like hours. It just all came out, but in the water, which is so funny. I never considered that. I mean, I never knew about it before, but I, I guttural cried there and then I cried, I cried in the shower or it's all cycle, but that's, <laughs> that's a lot. There's a lot of sweat going on. It's all cycle. So maybe there's the connection, but, but I think that they're a part of that. I think about it. We're all from a watery womb. Mm-hmm. It's our safe place. We cry 
when we feel safe. It's our way to just release. Even if it's been a fight, flight, panic place, and then we cry, it's a moment of pure release, pure vulnerability. And so we came from a watery womb. Tears are a part of that. And I think that when we feel safe, i.e. in the shower, we relate to the water, we're in the ocean, we're in the tub, it's all the same. It's our safe place. And it allows us to be vulnerable and really open up. And then we come out and we move forward. I've heard that from thousands of people. Yeah. Any other tips for releasing emotions? Music. Number one powerful. Gobs of research on it. I would say gobs of research on music. So look at it this way. Music is the one thing that can connect for people that have Alzheimer's and dementia that it rewires and reconnects the brain. There's great research on it by Oliver Sacks. Um, and this research shows that music gets through to a part of our brain that nothing else does. Nothing. So when we're trying to reach that part of ourselves that's stuck in there that we're deeply grieving or we know something's wrong and we just can't get there, try music. Try music that, in your case, you associate with your mom, in my case, with my son. It's a way to reconnect and rebuild a framework in our, in our brain where the synapses fire. It helps us to reframe and rewire that. And so it helps us to build connection and it helps to get that, those feelings out. And then it helps us to rebuild in a positive way also. It's powerful. Yeah, music is amazing. Um, the last thing I want to make sure we go over is helping others grieving. So as you said earlier, don't expect people to say the right thing. Um, I think the number one thing you hear in life is, I didn't know what to say, so I didn't reach out, or I, I didn't know what to do. And people just feel paralyzed when it comes to things like this. And I, I, I always love helping somebody go through something, but then I also am like, let's teach the other person how to help them as well. So how do we advise people to help a grieving friend a grieving relative um, go through this? Well, there are a couple of things. I love life hacks, by the way. So this is right, you know, right in my wheelhouse. So here's the thing. First of all, realize their grief is about them. It's not about you. One of the things I hear all the time is that somebody says, well, I invited them to go out. Um, I'll give you a real life story. <laughs> so I'm helping a family right now. They had a horrible and tragic car accident of a 23-year-old who was just getting ready to graduate college at the pinnacle of his life, um, award-winning student, didn't navigate a turn well in a canyon in LA. And the family is um, really struggling. And the father called me because I work with different family members. The father um, and the mom are divorced, the father and the new wife, the mom and the two adult daughters and the girlfriend. The father calls me and he's like, why are my guy friends calling me, asking me to golf? Every If I wanted to golf, I would golf. There's a lot of, and I said, well, they just, they didn't know what else to say. They don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. They're just offering it up. So I would say to the grieving person, realize that they're doing the best they can. To the person that's trying to help the friend, ask a question rather than make a demand. 
let's go play golf. No, the grieving person may not want to play golf, but what they might want to do is respond, hey, which of these activities might be fun or might be interesting to you just to help you get out of the house? Would you like to go fish? Would you like to golf? Want to go for a beer? Want to watch a ball game? Do any of those sound interesting to you? Leave it open-ended questions. Open-ended questions are really helpful because also too, it gives the grieving person control Mm. or they may have had no control in the past. Remember death, long-term illness, um, grief, no control. So giving back control is really helpful. How about maybe even reframing that rather than saying, let's golf. Could it be like, Hey, listen, I want to, let's get, let's get you out of the house. I know it's been really hard for you. Let's go golfing. At least there's an acknowledgement in there because I understand why he's upset. Cause it's like, dude, I just lost my son. How the heck are you not even getting this? Because I've watched people be so crazy. I'm like, wait, where is the sensitivity chip here? So if you just say what your intention is behind the desire, then mm. it's like, we feel like, oh, you acknowledge that we're in pain and your job as a friend is you're trying to help me out of it. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I will go golf, you right. know? But I think too, another thing that's important, um, Alan Wolfelt has something that he practices and teaches called companioning. If you get the, it's the, it's the image of walking to shoulder to shoulder with someone. It's not leading them. It's not following them. It's not dragging them. It's saying, I'm here. That's perfect. I'm I'm here. I'm here in whatever way you want. And I'll listen. Uh, Unsolicited advice is a big no-no. And you want to help the grieving? Well, platitudes, oh no. Unsolicited advice, well, you could look at it this way. Oh yeah, no. (laughs) Um, But I would say, so I tend to focus on the positive. So what do we say? What do we say is I'm here. I'm really sorry. I have no idea what to say right now, but I love you. I'll always love you. I'm here for you. I'm just here. You don't need to talk. We can just hang. Really so helpful because when somebody knocks at that door, so often people want something. I don't want anything. I'm here. You want me to go away? Okay. Go with it. Tomorrow's a new day. Their grief is not about you. Does that make sense? It's so, I can't wait to read this book, Companioning. And I want to read Stedman's Mm -hmm. book. I hope Kelsey's taking notes on all of these books. But um, Companioning is so funny because as you're describing it, I'm like, that's my best friend in our entire life. Just shoulder to shoulder there. And that's why I think I just... I love our friendship because it's just easy and, and you never feel like you're without because they're just shoulder to shoulder. I love that. And there's no judgment there. It's a, yeah. it's a judgment free zone. I'm not here to judge. I mean, my best friend's the same way, right? What would I do without her? Why? Because she wasn't judged. She's just been kind of journeying through life with me. And as yeah. a metaphor, and by the way, remember this, So a lot of times when people are grieving, they can't process a 400-page book. Could you? I couldn't. 
I'm having a hard time doing a lot of different things that I was so good at before. <laughs> I, I can't. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot like reading right now is a lot, yeah. a lot for me. I can't even process and it doesn't make any sense because I feel like I'm handling things pretty well, but some things are just very daunting to me. Totally normal. It's your brain on your brain's overloaded. That's all. And also too, there's pain and there's grief. So it makes a, a block, you know, and I, over time that should release itself. Another life hack, if it doesn't, and if you, you don't get um, claustrophobic, consider a float tank. Have you ever done a float tank? No. Oh, water. Okay. It's a watery Good space. Point. You're closed. It's in salt water, right? Think about Greece, beautiful water. You're just laying in a float tank. You can do several sessions. Amazing. If you try it, let me know how it works. Yeah. How do you handle, <clears throat> how do you handle this with clients? So there's a lot of anger around grieving. And I think there's like, there's so many different things that I even forgot to mention earlier. Like grieving isn't just when someone dies. Grieving is throughout the whole process of someone being ill, mm. right? So I think that's an important thing to note for anyone who's listening or watching, but um, but there's a lot of anger. I know that I was feeling along the way, some of it founded, some of it unfounded, some of it, you're just in the middle of it. You don't know how to process it. So it's just anger, um, anger at people who weren't there for you, anger at people for mishandling things, um, anger, of course, that, you know, things like medical support that's supposed to do the right thing. Don't do the right thing. Ang the anger. There's just a lot of anger. How do you help people who are in those grieving stages and having to like, not just deal with the grief of someone, you know, slowly leaving in a sense, mm -hmm. um, but all the other bogeys like, that you have to deal with along the way. Um, I learned this amazing thing. So you asked me about my son and what I learned through my son's journey because it was so long. I mean, he was literally sick from the time he was three until the time he was 14. That's a lot of people in our lives in and out, Crazy. right? So because of that, I woke up one day and I was like, it was a God standard. It was just like, oh, nobody wakes up looking to do the worst job they can possibly do to mess up my life. That was the big aha. Like when the nurses would come and somebody would mess up or somebody would cancel or somebody else would not show. Nobody, it's so much of life is not about me. It's just not. People who make mistakes, they make mistakes. It's not about me. It's about them. It doesn't mean that I should just forgive. Like in the moment, it takes a while to get to it. Let me, let me explain it this way. I truly believe um, that the, that these people that are in our lives are put in our lives for a reason. Most of them I do. And it was to learn forgiveness. It was to learn grace. It was to learn that everybody's doing the best job they can to just get through. They really are. And yes, people made mistakes in your mom's situation or in my son's situation or in somebody else's situation real mistakes. I mean, we had a nurse who made a mistake and the oxygen concentrator was off for 20 minutes, 20 minutes. I about lost my mind. Okay. 
And it took me a long time to work through that. And then I came to realize that's, that's not about me. She's not perfect. That was, it was a, a mistake. And I have made mistakes. Even if my mistake was backing my car into the refrigerator in the garage, <laughs> seriously, um, out of stress and duress, wow. she made a mistake out of stress and duress and other people have made other mistakes out of stress and duress. I don't know. I just think it's just realizing we are all perfectly imperfect. I mean, we really are. And from our friends that are in our circle, I think I heard you on a, on a different podcast. And I don't know if it was you or somebody else was saying that um, there was anger and frustration because the people around you weren't as you wanted them to be, or Mm -hmm. I can't, was I can't expect somebody to be who I want them to be. Their life is not about me. Their life is about them. So some of the friendships stayed, a lot of them left. It wasn't about me that they couldn't handle my dying child. It wasn't about me that they couldn't handle watching me care give. It wasn't about me that they wanted to fix the situation. All that's about them. And when I started realizing the only person that I could not even really control was me, a lot of things changed for the better. And life became more pure, more love-based, more beautiful, more hysterical. I mean, you just watch some of these things unfold and you're like, are you kidding me? But as you're watching it, it's kind of a beautiful mess. Mm. And it life became much more simple. The people that didn't show up that were our long-term friends, Maria. Mm-mm. But that's on them. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. I found it to be just information. Like at first I was so upset because I was shocked, but then you always have to remember, you can't expect people to be like you would be. And, and how do you know that you would be? Well, how, I, how do we know? Well, from, I was basing it on examples of what we have been and what we've done and how it's gone and in other situations within our family. And I'm like, wait, that's not how it went there. We, I flew cross country twice to be there. I helped, uh, wait, my parents were there every single day. My wait, and you guys can't what? (laughs) So, so, so there's a lot of judging, which is not good for you or for anybody else. But when you're in the throes of it, it's just hard because this is the first time you're going through something like this. Um, and so when I have had distance, I realized I should have just kept my mouth shut. None of it really mattered anyway. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just information. It's just the people that belong and the people that don't belong. And you well, just right. deal with it at that. And I wish nothing bad on anybody really don't. Um, it just was information. And I think it's like God's filtration system for you. It's like, okay, Let's just kind of share with you some things that you weren't seeing, some blind spots, and and that's that. And then grace for everybody else. So true. that was in between, right? I think too. So, for example, I see this a lot with families that I work with that maybe they expected a brother to show up or a sister to show up, or I expected this family member to participate in this way. It took me a while to really understand that that was my expectation. That was setting me up like, yep. Right. Oh, 
I expected this of that person. And that would make it happen. Why? Because <laughs> exactly. I'm not, no. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So life, I will tell you this, though, after working with hundreds upon hundreds of dying families and over decades now, that it's been interesting to see 10 years later, 20 years later, how certain themes sort of circle around and there's some sort of course correction Mm. in families over the long haul. Because the story is not done. One of my favorite things is to look at life as, you know, God says, don't put a period where I put a comma. What a great place to end. Wow. I've never heard that. I love that. I carry it in my wallet. Wow. Diane Gray, you guys can follow her on Instagram at Diane B. Gray. Um, I don't think this is our last chat. So guys, anything I didn't ask and you want to know, send us a message and we will accumulate all of them and we will have her back. Um, thank you so much. And, um, and thank you for today, but thank you for, for those very, very key phone calls and very, very key moments that helped me get through this. So thank you, Diane. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So Diane, we are going to do our our little wrap out um, and then just text me. So I remember when I wrap out, I'll call you right after. Okay. All right. Thank you. Of course. You're amazing. You're amazing. So many great bites. It was Mm -hmm. perfect. Do you do this a lot? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You're really well media trained. It's awesome. I'm a, I'm a keynote speaker. Yeah. When I have 60 minutes and there's a Q and a, yeah, you comes. Yeah. I I love it. I'll tell you what you're doing real quick. And I know you got to do your wrap out, but what you're doing, all of you as a team real quick. So important. I hear sometimes from people that you're, you're just touching their lives. I, I hear about their longer stories Whoa. So team white. Oh, thank well you. Thank you. All right. All right. We'll talk you. in a little bit. Okay. Thank you, yeah. Diane. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Ken. Kev, I'm going to start your video. I'm going to make this back into gallery. Oof. I had a hard time with my tech for a minute because I couldn't get it from gallery to speaker and then I lost everything, couldn't find it. Oh, no. You were a queen. Yeah, you kept it. You still looked not good. Yeah, you go, girl. And it was her computer, Maria. I texted her, but. Okay. So now add that to the, the handbook. So you have to make yeah. sure everybody always has that. That's like, a check during the show. Yeah, the guest is on Do Not Disturb. Guest comp. Comp. On Do Not Disturb. Okay. Added that. Kev, is can you move your computer a tiny like can you center yourself a little bit? Just a little. That's great. That's great. I can center my body more. No, that's fine. I'm just gonna bring you in a little bit. And set Kev shot. And then I'm ready. Boo, I know you checked out at some point, but did you listen to most of it? I did not check out at all. Oh, I saw you sent a text. I was texting the whole time, but no, I have mo- I have notes all the way through. Okay. Okay. Not at all. Nope. I have two, three pages of notes. Me too. So, see. So okay. it was so good.
Okay. Meredith just texted me. She thinks we should bring my dad next week <gasps> to her birthday. You should. So cute. Gosh, okay. Ready when you are, Maria. All right. Whew. All right, guys. What have we learned? Oh, my God. So much. Well, first of all, can we talk about how incredibly strong this woman is? I mean, what the? What? <laughs> yeah. What? And I know she said even she's like, I don't cry that much anymore or get teary. And I'm just like, how? So first of all, that was I just have to say that because I mean, Kevin's texting us that he's crying. We're crying. You're getting yeah. teary. It's just like, holy cow. So, I mean, what a what a role model. I mean, and she just knows how to properly emote, right? And so I think that that's beautiful. I'm really into the the nature um, and the music when you want to learn how to, like, connect and or when you need to get back into your, like, feeling and connecting because I think that those things are so easily forgotten, but they're so easy to go back to. I mean, think yeah. about how good, like, you feel in Connecticut right now. So I think well, we used music with my mom the whole time. So yeah. and your dad. Yeah. But the whole way that music reconnects and she said it's scientifically scientifically proven. I wanted to go a little deeper on that because it seemed like you could even re rewire. It's not just even for healing of grief, but you could re rewire your brain through healing. And I wanted to hear more. And maybe next time we will. Yeah. Sorry. I disappointed you, honey. <laughs> We'll get a next I would time. hardly say disappointed when Maria, when you want more, that's a good thing. That yeah. means you did I your know. job. You, you have an hour. Like, you know, I know. So I mean, you know, this lady has a lifetime worth of work. We were crying I hearing know. her story behind the scenes. Um Wow. Yeah, and I think really, the whole, by the way, that's a whole other thing that we're trying to do with the show. We're really trying to keep it to an hour for you guys so yeah. that it's not overwhelming. Go ahead, Kev. Well, I was gonna say the other thing about energy and how energy can't be created or destroyed and how love is energy and therefore the person never does die. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a wonderful example that really helped. Um, I will say, can I and say I love how she said caregiving is brutal. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of the caregivers out there on the heel squad need to hear that mm -hmm. and forgive themselves when they're tired or when they have those moments like, Oh, I can't do this anymore. I just want to escape. And they maybe do escape for a minute, like, because it is brutal. It's exhausting. And yeah. I just thought people really needed to uh, hear that. And the one quote that I love that I'll, I'll talk on the tomorrow show more about is who are we becoming? What a great, you want to talk about a great thing for me anyway, to have on your refrigerator or your mirror mm -hmm. to like go to that every day not just um, through grieving, but in life. And Kevin said the tomorrow show, not regular guy Friday, just to let you guys know that. Is that what I said? Um, yeah. But you know, I said to make sure everyone knew that the tomorrow show wasn't coming back and it was RGF. What is he talking about? Kevin said, what did he say? Kevin said he was going to talk about it on the tomorrow show. And I was like, no, you're not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Can we might as well keep, by the way, I think we should just keep this on the air. Because, I know we have to. Right. Just to explain. Just to and explain. You know what? That speaks to her bar. other point, you guys. Hmm. She just explained to me also why I can't read anymore. Oh, because your brain's overwhelmed? Yes. Why I would say the Tomorrow Show over Regular yeah. Guy Friday. Yeah. But, you know, but that, that really struck me of I have not been able to read past two or three pages. I have to go back and reread. Everything is like going so slow for me for reading mm -hmm. and for even for writing and brain overload and grief overload, all of that. Yeah. So yeah. that really helped me to hear that because I, I was like, God, do I have to get myself checked or something, you know, because, but no, that makes sense. Totes. Yeah. 
Totes. All right. We're going to shout out our $25 tier Patreon members so that we can say thank you for you guys supporting the show. Miranda Stupart, Stephanie Greenbass, Andrea Jenkins, Edward Looney, Elena Mifsud, Shannon Stern, and F.B. Amivius. Oh, God. F.B. Miavis. <laughs> If I don't get that right, then there's a problem. (laughs) Jessica Rink, Helen, Vito Yanis, Katina, Papa Nicolau, Ligdas, Teresa Palmer, Bobby Diamond, Brett BR. I don't think if that's a typo. No, no, no. Um, I I looked it up. That's what that's what they are on Patreon. So Brett BR, give us a shout out. What's your last name? (laughs) Helen, Helen Vlamis, Heather Goldman, Leah Trangle, Sandy Garfield, Jan Cohen, Anne-Marie Jennings, Mm. Marilena Faladis. Thank you guys so much. If you haven't clicked subscribe, clicked subscribe on YouTube, please do. So you don't miss any of our great content. Um, You guys are commenting and rating on Apple Podcasts, and we're so grateful. We're seeing those numbers go up. Please keep them coming. We're really, really aiming to get 2000 before the end of this year. And we're getting closer and closer every day because of you guys. It helps other people find our show too. And uh, of course, at Better Together with Maria for daily quotes, highlights of the show, please uh, go over and follow us, share it with your friends, tag them. And Patreon, if you haven't subscribed to Patreon, um, at the $10 tier, you get the ad-free shows, the weekly bonus show, and the monthly heel events. And we have a lot coming at you, as we have said. So thank you guys so much for being with us today. I hope this was helpful to you. You can follow us at Maria Menounos, at Diane B. Gray, D-I-A-N-N-E-B Gray. We'll put that in the description. At the Kelsey Meyer, at Better Together with Maria. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.